Good morning, Anthony. How are you? Good morning, Don. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Uh, we have you again. Here is our expert talking about uh, how real life compares to movies and yep. things. And uh, we've got a new nickname for you. Yes. Mr. We, Hollywood. We man. established me as Mr. Hollywood yeah. in the office. I think it's because I watch too much TV. <laughs> but uh, it's sticking, apparently. I think it's really because you've uh, got a great analysis on all these things. I, I never knew that about you, and I love it, man. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about a podcast and then a TV show thing that was on uh, Netflix called Dirty John. Dirty right. John uh, is something that caught my imagination. Right. Um, as you know, I used to be a police officer and a DA in Orange County. Right. And I'd never heard of this uh, situation. I'm far removed from there, living here in Pasadena. But my wife and I were watching TV, and we were looking for something to do, and we saw this Dirty John episode. Somebody had mentioned that it was good. Right. Turned it on, and it was like, holy cow, man, that's like a flashback of where I, where I came from. Right. In fact, the uh, beginning of the podcast here, because I'd listened to both uh, the, the podcast, and then I actually I watched the television and then listen to the podcast but my good friend uh, Matt Murphy was the prosecutor down there and he's in this and oh, I great. felt I felt very like t- touched and connected some way yeah. to all this I, I don't know about you do you have any experience in Orange County uh, I've gone on down there for a couple hearings before I don't have much experience I know I had a couple friends that live it there it's a different kind of a world that they live in it's a kind of a little um bubble compared yeah. to what we are here yeah. over in, in It's like this Los iron Angeles, curtain yeah. between L.A. and Orange County. Right. It's weird, but when I lived in Orange County, I always thought, what is on the other side there? L.A. is this big, <laughs> gnarly, you know, uh, polluted, you know, city that right. you don't want to go. It's violent. It's dangerous. Then I moved out here, and it's like, wait, this is a beautiful place, man. Orange right. County people right. don't know about this. Exactly. And conversely, L.A. people think, uh, the Orange County people, that the streets are lined in gold, right. and it's just, you know. And, and, I mean, it really is a very pretty place to live, and it's, it's nice and everything, but right. the perceptions are so off. Uh, with respect to the Orange County in this podcast and and then in the movie, Mm -hmm. you hear them talking about things like, you know, I'm going to the Spectrum or I'm in Newport Beach (laughs) and all these like local places that you wonder. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and you wonder like, you know, if I'm watching this like in uh, New York, you know, or Arkansas or something like that, and they're making reference to all these places, you know, is California that popular where everybody knows what they're talking about? (laughs) Exactly. But anyways, I, I found this to be an extremely good a portrayal of a of a scary incident of something that uh, really happened. This is real life, right? And uh, you know, you and I thought that this would be good to talk about. Yeah. So this one's unique in that this is a real life story. Um, it was originally investigated by an LA Times journalist, and there was a a podcast series called Dirty John. Um, unlike you, I listened to the podcast first, first and right. then I watched the series of the, the adaptation that they put onto screen. And they, I thought they were both great. Uh, they each have their own kind of charms to them. Yeah. Uh, I love the way that they kind of took the characters and kind of uh, reimagined them as to what you would kind of imagine what their, their, their vision would be like. Um, but this is a great uh, topic for us to discuss because there's a lot of family law yeah. issues in it. And we'll get into that. What we're going to do is, we're again, spoiler alert, if, yep. you're, if you're uh, viewing, listening to this podcast, right. what we want to let you know is we're going to go through from beginning to end. Right. So if you, Both the podcast it, and the Netflix that's show. Right. And the movie. Apparently yeah. there's a movie as well. So That's, oh, that's right. I, that's right. right. I didn't catch that one, though, but we have, that's on my list. Yeah. I, also, if you go on YouTube, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, you can uh, just Google or you know, search for this 
this uh, series or whatever it is, and you'll see the real life people being right. interviewed on talk shows and, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and it's fascinating. So let's talk first of all. Let's set this thing up, okay? And I, I think that for me, what I'd like to do is is let's go with the TV thing because we could talk about the actors and, and stuff. So the uh, who are the people that portrayed the the real life characters here? Yeah. So we have uh, Eric Bono, who was great as uh, John Meehan. He's the central, uh, I guess, uh, villain in the entire story. And he really is a villain, a real-life villain in it. And uh, Connie Britton, who is his, uh, I guess, now estranged widow uh, who had to kind of suffer through his torment. And their two children, uh, who were uh, Tara and, I believe, uh, Michael and one more, Veronica. Yeah. Yeah. So when I looked at the the actor uh, of uh, Eric Bana, that guy really knows how to play a mean dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I guess he's from Australia. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. And man, has he got it. I mean, you know, there's certain parts in there when he's like, his eyes turn dark. Yeah. And, he's, and he puts the fear in you just watching it and right. stuff. Interestingly, I don't find him to be very uh, similar to the actual guy because right. I got a picture of the actual guy here who is kind of, to me, looks like a meathead. Yeah. So know? the way that they described it on the podcast was he was kind of like this big, meaty kind of football player uh, type of build guy. And Eric Bana doesn't necessarily fit that, but the way that Eric Bana initially came onto the show and just seemed like a regular kind of nice, friendly guy, and then you see the transition of him into this kind of crazy and, and psychopathic is probably the best way to describe yeah. it type of person. Yeah. Uh, the way that he portrayed it was just absolutely amazing, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. And then the, uh, the woman who plays the... Uh, is it Connie? Debbie. Yeah. Debbie, okay. De- Deborah, uh, uh, short Debbie for short, yeah. Okay. I found that the actress there also did a really, really good job. She was great. And, and she portrayed that really kind of like innocent woman who is just going through life, and she, you know, things aren't always great for her. I mean, she, this, right. she's been divorced like four times. Four times. But she's got two beautiful kids. She's, she's a successful woman. Mm-hmm. What does she do for a living? I think she owns a furniture uh, and, and interior design company. Yeah, and apparently, I know this is switching to the podcast, is that it sounds like she was really uh, novel in the way that she marketed it oh, and, and her approach and everything. Right. Yeah, and uh, so she's a successful woman, about 59 years old. Right. She's been divorced. I think it's a four, four times. times, yeah. And uh, two wonderful kids, girls. What uh, one of them is definitely an adult. I'm not sure from watching this whether the youngest one uh, is. I guess she just graduated high school, or she's graduating high school. But right. she's the baby of the family. That's right. And uh, she's su- so successful that she lives in the community of Newport Beach or that area over there, which is pretty fancy to begin with. And, yeah. And not only that, she's on the shoreline uh, in that apartment that basically overlooks the ocean too, which is probably. Uh, our version of you know Malibu or having one of those cliffside homes. Right, right. So, you know, somebody that's been divorced four times, I would <laughs> hope that she would learn her lesson about how to pick them, right? You know, and stuff. But you know, we're human. Sure. Uh, people people send, tend to make similar mistakes over and over again. Mm-hmm. And this story starts off with her meeting somebody online, right? That's right. Actually, it starts off with her meeting several people, but then coming across this man who's John Meehan. Right, exactly. So t- talk to me about that first encounter. Um, so it, you see, actually, on the Netflix show that she's kind, of, she's kind of gone out on a string of dates, and they're just not very exciting. And here comes uh, a guy that seems to be open and genuine and genuinely interested in her. And you could totally see from her perspective, after being divorced four times, that you know she's just looking for someone to acknowledge her and acknowledge her interest and keep the focus on her. So that's definitely attractive. And unfortunately, that's what 
let kind of a trickster into the entire picture is that willingness to be open and trusting. Right. Yeah. So they have a nice evening. I, I don't know, if, you know, I don't recall exactly what the conversation was over dinner, but sure. somehow they make it back to her apartment. That's right. Yeah. And uh, then they're in the apartment and something significant happens. What's that? He has a little bit of trouble leaving and, and you know, it doesn't really take, good, you know, no for an answer. And, right. Uh, it starts off a little bit walk awkward to begin with, and I think that's kind of a good indicator of like some bad things that are coming. But um, she decides to let that go, and we find out that she actually lets a lot of things go. Yeah. Um, you know, you can try to logic and, and reason with people, but ultimately the heart's going to win out, and that's what well, we shouldn't. see here. It yeah. shouldn't. I got to <laughs> tell you that one thing that I learned in life is is that when you're talking about relationships, sure. you've got to be paying attention to the red flags. Oh yeah. You know, and she wasn't paying attention to that right from the beginning. Not, no. He came up. He came in, and he was dressed poorly. Mm-hmm. Right. He's wearing kind of like a... I think he was homeless, right, at that time. Well, what we later learned is that he'd been out of the Orange County Jail for two days. That's right. And he was practically homeless. I think he had some kind of a trailer out in the desert or something. But uh, he he comes waltzing in there, and he's, you know, he's kind of disheveled. Yep. You know, but he's a handsome guy. Right. He's tall and and stuff. And then the second thing is, is that he lays down on her bed. Yeah. And he's not moving anywhere. <laughs> and she's like, uh, <laughs> You really thought he was going to spend the night there, I guess. Yeah. 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 And, you know, he can't take a hint. Right. Right. So, I mean, she has to get kind of forceful with him. And then he kind of throws a little tantrum, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Leaves. Right. And she's going, Whoa, man, I'm glad I'm got out of that one. <laughs> so she goes to work the next day. And what happens? He calls her back and sets up a second date, right? Yeah. Well, she, he apologizes profusely. Right. And we see that this is kind of part of his manipulation. He has right. this ability of uh, falling on a sword in a, in a really, meaningful yet uh you know untruthful way right? completely untruthful <laughs> completely untruthful but he has that ability and and you know uh i think it's just a kind of a character quirk that he can appear very genuine uh despite the fact that he's absolutely not genuine at all he's yeah. just a complete fraud and trickster yeah. yeah so so um what does he tell her um, I think he tells her, you know, this is just not something that I am normally willing to do. I just like you so much. And um, that's just kind of let, you know, I've, something out of character for me. So let's just kind of start back over again and, and see where it goes from there. I'm so embarrassed by yeah. what I did. But, <laughs> you know, it's just a, that was such a great evening that I just couldn't let go, you know. And I, I'm ashamed of it. But if you just give me one more chance. Yep, right? exactly. So exactly. she's talking to her, her people at, at her work. And she owns the place because she's, you know, she owns her own company. And she gives them a second chance. Yep. Right? And so they start dating. And uh, very soon thereafter, uh, her daughters start meeting this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And could you describe the first encounter when the I think it was the oldest daughter that met him first? Right. He I think he shows up and and uh, he's just kind of wearing shorts and she's dressed out to go like to a fancy dinner. Um, and they probably thought, well, who is this guy? Why is he dressed like this? And actually, one of the quirks that he has also is that he wears his medical scrubs around all, all the time, all the time. <laughs> and they're not uh, they're not clean. Like, you know, normally you would think if you're working in a hospital environment, you know, you want to present as very clean. You'd be and leaving polished. to work clean. Exactly. You come home with maybe some blood and stuff. Sure. On it, right. Exactly. But it just seems to be that way all the time. So these types of red flags start to get onto the mind of these two daughters who are basically private investigators the, yeah. the levels that they go through to try to look into this guy's background and the information they dig up on him and present to their mom um you know i think part of her just didn't want to acknowledge that any of that was true she, she her heart was just so much into it she really felt it wanted uh like she wanted to be wanted and she was willing to disregard all of these red flags and and 
eventually get married to this person, which yeah. is uh, a, a complete issue in and of itself, and we can talk about that. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed with some of the cases that we handle is is that children become the protectors of parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, especially you know in a divorce situation where. Uh, the kids have seen mom right. or dad make a series of blunders with respect to relationships. They try to intervene. They don't like it when, uh, you know, the parent brings the child back to the house so quickly like that, and they right. start examining. And in this case, you know, the parent-child relationship was reversed quite a bit real fast. Exactly, yeah. And and that's part of something that just kind of be, is is uh, central to being in that type of family where you just have this desire to protect those that you love, and, and you really see that from these girls, the links that they're willing to go to in order to try to protect their mother. Yeah, mom had become somewhat of an errant uh, teenager herself. I mean, she it did. Was like, you yeah. know, she started, like, uh, doing things on the sly, not right. telling them what she was doing with regard to Mr. Mr. Meehan. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Okay, so what happens then is is that um, he, he moves in, Yep. right? Yeah. And uh, they... What they do, they, they rent a really nice place mm-hmm. right in the harbor of right. Newport Beach. Which I mean, is that's prime real estate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows yeah. what that rent would be? I, I think it's something like $89,000 per year, and they, they pay that up, up front. That's so, right. So you know that she's got a good chunk of cash lying around. It's probably what triggered you know John to kind of be so willing to stick this through, despite the family kind of being completely against him. Right. So. so so the daughter's first encounter with Mr. Meehan, if I recall right, is is that she sees him kind of like looking around the place like, mm-hmm. whoa, what have I just landed into? Yeah, and he exactly. starts asking some questions, and she's, she's right away, man, her, her, her red flags are going up. Right. And she has a conversation with mom afterwards, and mom, again, she stiff arms the daughter. Exactly. Right. And, uh, and then he moves in. And they move into this new this apartment, and he becomes Mr. Wonderful, right? Yeah. What, he, what, what does he do? He's uh, making her smoothies. I don't know if that was a part of the podcast or not. That's something that was definitely included as a part of the Netflix show. I don't know if that actually happened or, or I mean, something that he does, I guess, I, I could morning. tell you that I've read articles and stuff, and okay. that was one of the many things he did. Interesting. Now, now, of course, it's on the show, and you see it being done every morning. And right. It's a different shake, and right. it's, like, wonderful. Who knows how often it was, right. but he did do that. Okay, wow. Yeah. yeah, I love the way that they showed that, you know, every single morning, a different color, like, you know, milkshake or, or yeah. you know, fruit Tur- shake. Yeah. Turns the shower water on. So exactly. Just the right temperature. Mr. Perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Oh my God! And so, so she goes, you know, to the work, mm-hmm. and she assumes that he's going to his work because he represents himself as what? He uh, is an anesthesiologist, right? right? And actually, he, I don't think he ever actually was. I think he was uh, first a, a nurse anesthetist, which yeah. is, I guess, a step down. And then uh, he apparently got into some trouble with the nursing board too. So he's not even that anymore. Right. 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 This guy's from Ohio. John right. is from Ohio, and he had prior relationships over there. Yep. He's been married, he's got kid, exactly. kids, and he gets in some big trouble over there. And uh, you know, we'll get into you know his background a little bit more, but w- with respect to what he represents to mom, as right. I'm going to work every day, that's why I got these scrubs, right? He wasn't actually doing that. Yeah. 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 And uh, when, when I see that, uh, you know, he's turning the shower water on just right, he's giving her the shakes, he's Mr. Lovey-Dovey and right. stuff, but anybody that tries to enter into that relationship... He's a different person when she's not around. Right? Oh yeah, he's willing to kind of just draw like a line in the sand, be very forceful. You know, stop getting into your mother's business. We see an altercation, I guess, a verbal dispute when um, he's getting into it for the daughter when she finds his, uh, I guess, his diploma saying that he's a nurse anesthetist rather than an actual anesthesiologist. Right. And he right. says, you know, don't talk to your mother that way. 
Well, what position is he in to make that kind of a statement to someone else's They've child? They've been together right? for like a month or so, exactly. and he's talking like he's his father or something. Exactly. Right? You, you know, stop stopping right there. You know, sure. when people bring uh, new relationships into a family, right. you know, I always cringe, you know, and I, I always would hope that our clients would be more tactful. Now, of course, this is a situation where these two girls were actually young ladies right. and stuff, but it reminds us of two things. One is is that bringing new relationships in is is a concern of the whole family. It's just not yours, right. and you got to do it delicately. You know, I what I like is, is when people say, "Look, I'll continue dating," you know, but what, you're not meeting my kids right up front, you exactly. know, and stuff, and you're not living with me right up front. Right. Now, that's a personal choice, but I do think that you know, especially in this case, you took it way too fast. It's like it's, it's a delicate situation, right? Yeah, yeah you, you really have to be very tactful about the way you do it. Yeah, you owe it to your family. And the second thing, and I, I'm not trying to be too critical of this poor woman because I love her to death. But the second thing is is that even adult kids are impacted by divorces mm-hmm. and subsequent relationships, and they have feelings. And you know, I think that we owe it to our kids, whether they're little bitty kids or if they're adults and stuff, as to being tactful about these type of things. Right. So Dirty John gets into the to the place and he's living like a king. She's going to work and he's driving around. Right. And the daughter, the oldest daughter, does what? She uh, engages the assistance of a private investigator, which um, turns out to be a little bit expensive. She sells some uh, Chanel bags in order to pay for the cost, and and that private investigator is able to dig up a lot of information about him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she she also puts a tracker on his car. She did, yeah, she did. Which doesn't really reveal too much, because interestingly enough, he was still going from hospital to hospital. Right. I'm not sure exactly what he was doing. I don't think we ever know. We don't actually but, know. But he wasn't working during this time period. I think there's an insinuation that he's stealing drugs or okay. kind of using his, his nursing appearance to get into the hospital, get into certain restricted areas and stuff like that. Um, but again, we don't actually we don't know. know. Yeah. We don't know. We know that he has a uh, addiction to opiates that he tried to kick, but was ultimately unsuccessful in doing that. Yeah, yeah. and that's what we learn later on is, is this man's a drug addict, like right. a really serious one, and he'd been stealing medicine from uh, his prior workplaces when he did have the license. Right, and and uh, very sad that he was actually taking it from the patients that were under his care, too, people that didn't have any ability to kind of speak out or understand what was going on. Okay, so both of the kids are concerned about him. There's a nephew that's involved in this. That's right. And the nephew, uh, now, now um, Debbie, is that her name, Debbie again? Yes. So her uh, sister had been shot mm-hmm. way back in the earliest by her husband. Right, right. attempted murder-suicide. Yeah, and, uh, and the nephew, who didn't really know... Um, I, I guess the mom that was because he, he just little, you know, and stuff like that. He grew up being pretty close to Debbie, and initially he gives Dirty John the benefit of the doubt, but right. then John spooks him as well. Right, he's making a really just off the wall, not very normal type conversations. I think he brought up like kind of like shooting someone with a gun. Yeah, and that's got to be another red flag. And it's crazy to see Debbie just kind of, you know, it's just the way that he is, and and be willing to so. Well, she bought into it. a lot of his lies. I mean, John was saying that he was also uh, recently in, I think it was Iraq or that's Afghanistan right, yeah. or something. He was jumping out of, you know, he, he's supposed to be a doctor. He's jumping right. out of uh, planes. I, I couldn't understand that one. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. And he was cut in this. I mean, these lies were just incredible, and she she apparently bought it, but. The family's not buying it. No. I mean, especially the nephews hearing this. I mean, this isn't adding up. Right. And then it gets hostile between the two of them, mm-hmm. right? So he, the, the nephew gets on board with the sisters, right? right? And, and they all start the investigation process. Meanwhile, uh, Debbie's mom is there, too. That's right. And what, why don't you describe her? 
God bless, God bless the mom because all she wants is for her daughter to be happy, yeah. right? And and she sees that she's happy with this man, and she is more concerned about you know what the separation is going to be for like for the, her, and and we see that a lot too, um, where you know we have family members that are more concerned about the separation and the emotional toll that's going to have on their family members rather than you know the bigger picture of like is this person actually a good person to for, to be with yeah so you know? so the what i learned about the mom is is she's a somewhat of a gullible lady yeah you know she she's spitting with uh, john she thinks he's a really nice funny guy she loves him right and she loved the guy that had shot her other daughter many right. years ago in fact she had uh talked to the she hired a defense attorney for him, right. for her for his other son-in-law, and uh, even testified on his behalf in court, getting him off. That's some incredible forgiveness. Yeah, uh, to to be willing to do that, um, and and there there's a, some value to kind of cleaning your heart of all that anger and stuff like that. But that's not something I think most people would be willing yeah. to do. So it really paints a picture of number one is is that Debbie is kind of the support of her mother. Right. And Debbie might be a little bit like her mother. Exactly. Because we later learn that she's very forgiving of things. And right? she, yeah, she forgives John. Um, yeah. She initially tries to separate from him. She moves out and uh, uh, gets a, a hotel room, I think, for a period of time. Well, let, let's not get there yet because we know <laughs> that one day – she takes a trip to Nevada. That's right. Right? Yeah. And John catches up with her. And what happens in lovely Nevada? They go to, I think, in the in the show, it's a uh, chapel, probably one of those uh, get-hitched-quick chapels. In real life, it was, too. There's I, a picture of them. Okay, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, they get married. Um, despite all the lies and despite all the red flags, um, she's willing to set all that aside and tie her nuptials to this man. And she, when she comes back, she doesn't tell anybody. So she, they she keep it not. a secret because she knows that, she, again, she's kind of acting like the errant teenager. Right. She doesn't want anybody to know. Right, so right, The right. kids don't know. Her mom doesn't know. Uh, the way that people find out is because of an argument, right? That's right. And it yeah. was between the nephew and John, right? right. And, and then John pipes off, well, we're married or something, right? <laughs> so so the, now the family hears about this, and they're like, you know, unbelievable. It gets to the point where Debbie's estranged from her kids, sure. right? Imagine hearing that, by the way, from, from someone that your entire family hates, right? Um, and just to kind of jump out and tell you, oh, well, by the way, I married your mother. It's completely, you know, off the wall. Yeah. So you know? th things are moving like extremely fast, way too fast. But right. eventually, Debbie starts figuring things out about John by herself. I right. mean, she's heard it from her family, uh, and, and she's estranged from her family. They don't want her coming around uh, the grandkids and holidays and things like that. But she starts seeing things like she, you know, um, and. Uh, she went through his papers, mm -hmm. and let's talk a little bit about John's real background. So I actually, I actually <laughs> took a, a a remote and I paused on each of the documents because I recognize interesting, them. isn't I recognize it? Them. Yeah. So we see a couple of domestic violence restraining orders. Right. We see a revocation of his nursing license. We see a criminal extensive criminal background, multiple felonies for served in prisons. Yeah, been in prisons a couple of times. Exactly. He was on parole. Exactly, and he was getting. Letters from the prison system, probably bills for his expenses in there, and um, we start seeing, you know, who John really, really is. Yeah, and it's incredible. I mean, he's the guy's from Ohio. Apparently, uh, he was married, and then he got caught having a relationship with a with a doctor. Right, and you know, he's. He's got a background where he was brought up by a, kind of a gangster type of a guy, and, and his whole life is, is training from his father is to uh, really just fraud everybody. A professional you know? con artist. And yeah. he, but he's got a sister 
who who loves him but is not like him, right? right. And he even screws up that relationship by taking advantage of her. So yeah. we're not going to get into all the nuances and stuff, but John is a really really bad guy. You know, he's uh, he comes over here to California and he's stalking people, right? Right? He's ripping people off. He's he's doing all the nasty things and he's basically really taking advantage of women. He's right. he's a con artist. He's he's one of these guys that is tall, handsome, and he could get women to fall in love with him and he steals their money. Right, exactly. Right? And he does it over and over again. So she starts looking through these papers and she brings it to an investigator and says, you know, what is this, right? Right. So, you know, right about this time, you know, John uh, starts realizing that Debbie's uh, Catching it, you know, catching him on this stuff, and he's in denial mode, right? Sure. Yeah. And what does he tell her? He's just basically saying, you know, there's an explanation for everything. It's more complicated than what you think, and just kind of like twisting and turning and trying to give a whatever explanation that she'll accept. And she's eating up all of it. She actually is willing to ignore all of these red flags, um, and basically is willing to attach everything that he's saying as truth. Yeah. Um, which is again shocking to the family. But there's a certain point where she she realizes that hey this guy is not the person that right. that I thought he was. I know he's not a doctor. Right. I know he's been in prison. He was in jail. He's getting letters from people from jail. He owns some thing way out in the desert like a, a motorhome or Trailer something. Trailer park, yeah. He's a drug addict. Right. He's got blood in his toes because he's shooting up and stuff. And she's finding like his kits and stuff around the house. Mm-hmm. So there's a point where she realizes that he defrauded me. Right. He came into this relationship by fraud. Right. Talk about that. So he go, she goes to an attorney and asks, you know, what this next step is. They talk about two things. Number one is for an annulment, and uh, number two is for a restraining order. And she if doesn't. She came, if she came to you. What would you say? I would say get both. Get them. Okay. Get them sooner rather than later. This is a serious, seriously deranged and dangerous individual. Do everything within your power to try to keep them away from you. Um, which is unfortunate because she also goes to the police department and lets them know, and they eventually do start an investigation, but um, you find out they're actually not really able to do anything, at least from the outset, just because having a criminal record doesn't really mean that you're out to do something, you know, again, you know, it's a good indicator, but uh, until you actually commit a crime, the police department isn't actually able to help you. Yeah, but that family law attorney, I, I I tell you what, when I saw that part of it, Right. I started smelling John. I yeah. started smelling his old clothes, man, and his disgust. Because I was, you know, I was a cop in a rough city, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I and I was patting people down and doing yeah. search warrants, and with these people that are grubby, you know, lying, cheating, you know, guys and stuff like that. And I could just you know, straight out of jail, and I'm like, how in the world did she continue on with that guy right. after learning? Because he wasn't a very organized guy. I mean, she went into his desk full of all these papers and stuff, and she's seeing that he's shooting up. And here's this, like, pristine lady in Newport Beach <laughs> yeah. living with this guy, and I'm going, get out of this relationship. This exactly. is the time, exactly. right? I mean, you could get an annulment. You, know, I, you wouldn't owe him anything, right, if there was an annulment? That's correct. So one of the things that you can do if you enter a marriage and one person is misrepresenting who they are, what their capacities are, what their income is, things like that. If that's a fraud that goes to the heart of the marriage, you can basically negate the marriage. That's what the difference. Do you, do you think she had grounds at that point? Absolutely. Yeah. I There's think no she question. had multiple grounds to, to annul that marriage. And she eventually does file. She eventually does yeah. file for an annulment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. But before <laughs> before she does that, though, she she moves to like a like a. a she hides. She starts wearing wigs. Right. She goes into like a, I guess, a hotel somewhere near That's the right. spectrum. She 
communicates with them, and then unbeknownst to her kids, because her kids thought that, hey, she's broken up the relationship, what happens? She goes back and checks on him in the hospital and sees him lying there, and those heartstrings kind of get tugged on again, and she's willing to... I'm sorry, baby! (laughs) I didn't want to tell you what kind of a guy I am! And the thing that I caught my attention about this is how often do we see this in domestic violence cases in which someone is abused or they're undergone yeah. harassment or stalking but they're willing to set that all aside enablers enablers exactly it's and and some i think it's called the cycle of violence right mm-hmm. that you're willing to forgive these things and go back oh i'll change you know things will be different this time around it's never different it's always going to be the more the same and intentionally it's going to get to a point where it's going to really be something serious. And, yeah. and that's what happens here. Right? Yeah. So, you know, she, she finds out all these nasty things. She couldn't know. She doesn't. She goes to the hospital. Right. She secretly gets involved with him again. Right. And they start living secretly, not telling the kids. You know, at this point, you know, it's like, ma'am, you know, what are you doing? Right. right? Yeah. You know, um, you can't change people like that. You, I, you know, I've, I've been around the block a few times, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm, I tell clients this all the time. Look, if you think you're going to like somehow bring that guy to therapy <laughs> and have, uh, you know, some kind of lobotomy on him, right. it ain't going to happen. He's not going when they're happen. that bad. He's going to continue doing that. Well, he was actually even resistant to kind of things that were just set her mind at peace. Right. So when they go and they see the attorney and they talk about getting a post nut just to protect each other's assets, <laughs> what happens there? Right. What happens to that relationship well, well, with what, that attorney? What right? happens there? was very interesting. I think right. that you and I could probably uh, relate to that. So you got two people in the room and they're talking about a post nup. So there's a problem there. Yep. Number one is they both shouldn't be in that room. They need to have their own separate attenants. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you're getting a post nup. And I think that the I'm not sure that they went there for that purpose, but they're there and the attorney starts mentioning that. And uh, Debbie's like, yeah, that's kind of like the that would be perfect. Right. Then, then I could be with the scoundrel, but he's not going to hurt me. Right. And in that scene, you see Eric Bana's demeanor change yeah. from just kind of like you know a regular person, and then his eyes just start going wider and wider, yeah. knowing that this is going to be something that is going to disadvantage me or hurt me, you know, and and that ultimately is going to lead to the breakdown in the the relationship between that attorney. And this is the part where I think I said it, the acting was superb because oh, yeah. his eyes turned dark in that thing. And you, when he, the look he gives that family law attorney, it's, inc- it's like, it's oh, my God, crazy. man. And, you know, when <laughs> I listened to the interview with the actual family law attorney. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. he, you, could, you could get that on YouTube. Wow. And, and uh, he says, he, he's, or actually it's on the podcast, I think. He says that uh, at that point, he says, I can't tell you what color eyes the man had. Mm-hmm. He said, but I could tell you that at that moment, they were black, man. Oh, man. And that's what that actor was able to do somehow. <laughs> he really man. did he a great job. He was able to get that. Yeah. So he scares the heck out of the, the, the attorney. He starts calling the attorney without right. Debbie knowing and saying, you know, you're fired. Right. I want my money back. You right. know, you should have had this done a long time ago and all this other stuff. Well, he didn't actually, he, he didn't want the attorney to prepare the post up. He wanted the attorney to go after the people that were saying stuff about him, which yeah. is not something that family law attorneys do. We work on family law cases. We don't pursue defamation and things like that. That would be a separate type of case. Right, right. And you and I know that you know what really should have happened is, is Debbie should have said, look, I'm going to meet with this attorney separately regarding the post-nup. You're going to have to go someplace else and talk, and right. we'll have to get that done. It doesn't happen. No post-nup, post-nup agreement doesn't happen, right. and we move on, right? So somehow the relationship uh, gets even worse when she starts discovering more and more about what he's doing. I think Debbie participates in the tracking of where his movements are because he finds out that the daughter did that. Right. And she discovers other things about him, right? Right. And he's uh, he's basically kind of a complete con artist at this point. She sees him for what he is, but she's so terrified of the things that he's going to do that she kind of just plays along with being in this relationship. Yeah, and that moment that he gets the letter from the jail, she opens the mail. Right. 
Um, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, uh, she's married to the man. Sure. She sees a letter from the Orange County Jail written to him. She opens it, and he comes flying out of the room, and he snatches it out of her hand. He right. says, that's a felony. What How an dare you open that? What an interesting domestic violence case that is on that specific issue, right? Yeah. Is to whether she had the right to open that that's letter right. or whether he had the right to react in that way. Yeah, so right? you were thinking like I was. Yeah. I, the same thing I thought. I, I actually don't think it's domestic violence for a spouse to open up mail of the other spouse. I mean, it happens all the time. Right. Could you imagine? But, you know, we're in this day and age now where, you know, if you're getting into people's emails and stuff, you know, could be an invasion of privacy. Right. But more so, you know, then he, he says it's a felony because he's trying to scare her, you know, and it's like, it's like the felon telling yeah. her that's a felony, right? Yeah. So about that time, she starts, I think, deciding that hey, this thing is over with. And uh, they, I don't know if it was during that argument or subsequently after that, she moves out for good, right? right? She says she wants a divorce. I think she finds his stash of kind of like medicine and opiates, right? Oh, yeah. So she's kind of hidden in this because little Because he box. said he'd stop. That's right. He went to yeah. rehab and is yeah. representing to her that he quit cold turkey, right? Which is, number one, virtually impossible to do. It's very, very difficult for people to just automatically just come off of opiate, hard opiates, right? Right. Um, and he apparently was representing to her that he did it. And she finds out that he didn't, and I think that was ultimately the straw that broke the camel's yeah, back. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that too. Is is that you know when people are coming off of addictions, mm -hmm. God bless people that, that have addictions. I mean, you know, we so all hard. have our problems, but you just don't get over this from one stint. And in, in the show, it shows him in a hotel with her or something, and he's cold turkeying. Right. And, and then you get the impression that while she's gone, he's right. he's doctoring himself up. All of a sudden, he's healthy again, right? <laughs> you know. But really, what happens is if you have somebody with in the family with addictions, you better be. Ready Ready for a relapse. It's right? it's incredibly difficult. And it's ongoing uh, AA meetings yep. and in-house, you know, I mean, it's a long struggle in order to get clean again. Our clients that have been successful, you know, have gone into residences, you know, residential programs, and they've been really, really committed. You know, Dirty John didn't look like he was committed. He was know? not interested <laughs> in doing that at all. So she finds out that, and it's like, okay, now I've had enough, and they divorce. And then his character changes, doesn't it? Right, he does. And then he goes full kind of... Uh, aggro on her. He's trying to intimidate her, trying to harass her, stalk her, uh, both him and the, the her and the members of her family, her two daughters and stuff like that. Yeah, so. the nastiness starts coming up. He starts treating her like he treated everybody else. He, yeah. The facade is gone. Right. You know, and he's talking about, I'm going to get everything. You know, you, you don't know. I, I don't want to have to break you, but it looks like I'm going to. And he's just being really, really nasty. Now, let, let me ask you this. He's, he's going through the divorce. Let's assume that they were together about a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not really sure what the time is, but it's not more than that. I mean, they're a short period of time. She's a 59-year-old woman. She's got two adult kids. They're not his kids. Right. Right. That business was started long before she ever met Dirty John. Right. Right. Her income is her. So what is he likely to get out of this divorce? Not, not much. The, the, you know, assuming it goes through a regular divorce case, um, you're looking at a marriage of very short duration, no children of the marriage. Um, so in terms of what you ultimately are going to walk away with, not very much, but you can make the process very painful. Um, in doing so, right, you can conduct a lot, a lot of discovery. You can do a lot of, you know, protracted litigation, frivolous requests for orders. There's a lot of ways to make a relatively simple case. And we see case. that. Yeah, we, we see, see that, that with all people doing that. Yeah. Uh, that's very unfortunate. I'm glad that you mentioned that because the way I looked at it is, is let's say that uh, with her earnings, they didn't have a premarital agreement. With no. her earnings, she bought a car. Right. Well, he's entitled to half of the car, right? Um, and by the way, in the show, 
the car mysteriously gets burned, That's by right. the way. But, you know, there's some things that he could have, but and he might be entitled to, like, a short period of spousal support. Right. Probably not, though, when you look at the fraud that was involved in this case and the, and the duration of the marriage. But he might. Right. He might convince a judge to give him, like, a half a year of spousal support or something. Well, not if she gets a domestic violence restraining order against That's right. him, which she, she definitely should in this type of situation. Well, let's, let's talk about that in a second, because I, I might differ with you on that. Okay. Okay? But, you know, in this case, you know, where... He's threatening her. He's, he's saying, I'm, you brought up a wonderful part, is that he can make her life miserable. Yep. In spite of the fact that he's not entitled to anything, this is the type of character that's probably going to be dragging her through court, threatening her, telling him what he thinks the law is. And right. I see a lot of times that people, uh, they want the other side to think that they're the expert on the law. It's unfortunate because in family law, it's not always about the money. And I think even in this situation, it probably wasn't about no. the money. It was about the control, yeah. the feeling that he had dominance over her and was able to make her life more difficult. Yeah. That's really what he was looking for in, in this process. Yeah, yeah. and he was, he was really trying to intimidate her by saying that you know he knows what the law is and she's going to be right. very— well the, well, the truth is, if she just listened to a family law attorney, the family law attorney, look, you're going to be okay. Exactly. You know, you're not going to pay very much spousal support, if at all. Right. You might not. You're not going to owe him a lot. How would, you, how would you handle a case like that in which the other party is just being very obstreperous and being— you know, very warnings. difficult. Yep. I'd send out warning letters to him right away. If he had an attorney, I'd do that and say, any f- further uh, communications, we're going in to get a restraining order. Yeah, exactly. And unlike what a lot of people believe, I do believe that restraining orders are, are helpful. Uh, you know, people could violate them, but right. in our experience, most ti- most of the times they work. Uh, they could even result in criminal prosecution. I think they work on, on normal, sensible people. I think for, for yeah. types of situations like this, yeah. they might you might need something a little bit more. Right, right. right. Well, going with that, so you think that there could be a restraining order. Tell, think, tell me why. Okay, so, you know, California law says that if you engage in activity that, you know, disturbs the peace and tranquility of a, of a domestic partner or someone mm-hmm. in, in the type of family relationship, that's, that's sufficient, you know, even where there hasn't been physical abuse. And in this case, there was actually no physical abuse between uh, Debbie and John, but you see a lot of harassing, controlling, intimidation, um, tracking her movements, that's something that would be within the scope of the domestic yeah, violence. Yeah, I mean, it shows that he was kind of following her around and things like that. That's right. But, but you got to prove it, though. It's you like, the, it's like it. the car. The car burned, and they really couldn't, apparently couldn't prove that he burned it and stuff. So right. I'm thinking about the evidence. You're thinking about the, the justification of it exactly. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because I was looking at it, I'm thinking, because she came to me, I, I wouldn't know for sure if I would go in for a restraining order right okay. away. I'd probably give some warnings and stuff, and then really caution her about her safety. Okay. I mean, you know, that's not legal advice. That's just good, really practical advice you right. know, about her safety. And you stuff. probably would start building up that case, though, as soon as they stepped in the yeah. office, right? You ask for all the information, all the background. And I think uh, in these types of cases, it's not going to be one single thing that is going to, you know, ultimately get you that restraining order. But a lot of, you know, small incidents, even things that are just simply circumstantial, like her car kind of mysteriously catching on fire, that might be a part of a bigger case, right, to show that there's, right. you know, intimidation and, and destruction of property. Right, you know? right. Okay, so then what he does is he's seen following around the daughter, right. the oldest daughter. Right. Right. Um, now, at this point, um, Debbie is, I don't know where she was. I think she went to, she went to L.A. on a business or something. That's right. And there's a one incident in particular where Dirty John was seen following the daughter around, and at that point, the daughter might have grounds for a restraining order. Yeah, so we didn't talk about that. Um, so long as you're in a family-type relationship, 
that would be within the definition of the law. You can get a restraining order against someone that you might not even have a blood relationship to, like a stepdad or someone who is, you know, dating your mother or someone who's even living in your same household. Yeah. Right. So, so what I learned is, is that during most of the time that Dirty John and Debbie were together, the youngest daughter, mm-hmm. and I forget the, their names, and I wish I... Tara. 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 Yeah. She had a great name. Yeah. <laughs> she actually was living in Vegas. Right. So she had a boyfriend out there. She was in a relationship, and eventually she moved back into Orange County. Yeah. But they, she, wasn't, she, she had some nasty encounters with him or some sus- problems with him, but she wasn't part of the dysfunction for a while. So no. she moves back into Orange County... And this is where the story gets chilling. Right. 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 I mean, just weird, man. Exactly. You know, what, he's stalking the daughters, man. What What the hell is he doing? You know, I, I does he think that you know if I take these people out somehow that Debbie's going to come back to me, or am I going to hurt Debbie by hurting the daughters? I mean, what is going on with this guy? It's hard to kind of understand the the logic and the reasoning of someone who's not all mentally together. Yeah. Right. Especially if there's someone that is incapable of controlling their actions. There's no justification for it. You know, even people who are drug addicts, they do really crazy things yeah. in order to get, you know, more drugs or, or to feed that addiction. There's no, no uh, explanation as to why it, he had to involve In the, the podcast, they talk about Dirty John losing like 60 pounds. Right. You know, right. I mean, he was really strung out in drugs. He was probably homeless again. Right. He's not, he's, Debbie's not propping him up. So he's getting desperate. So the, the really the story starts ending with what? Tell me what happened. So at some point, he decides to take the, the stalking and the harassment to the next level and tries to kidnap Tara uh, while she's walking you know, on, uh, from her car, and I think it was to her apartment. So she's going to go on a trip or something she's like gonna that? She's going to go on a trip and heading out of town, and, and she's just kind of packing up some things and getting ready. And, and all of a sudden, he comes and attacks her. And he's got a weapon with him. Yeah, he's got a knife, and he's trying to... Uh, I think he was trying to get her into the van, and who knows, God forbid, uh, he actually would be successful in that. But she actually fights back. Yeah. Right. It, it, when he says, when he grabs her, he says, do you remember me? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like it's, it's like Jason chilling. out of some horror story or absolutely something like chilling, that. I mean, yeah. it's as scary as hell. And this poor little kid, man, is going to go to some country western concert with her friends, and all of a sudden this smelly, you know, drug addict guy, man, that's desperate, says, remember me? And he's got yeah. a knife in his hand. Right. Now, thank God Tara had mentally prepared for this. Can right. you talk about that? Yeah, so uh, Tara is actually a zombie enthusiast and, and was a, f- a follower of, I think, the Walking Dead series. I don't get you TV. kids, man. <laughs> what are you talking about? Zombie enthusiast. Well, but... You know, we, the world's going to end some at some okay. point, so it's best to be prepared, and Tara was prepared in this yeah. situation. Um, she knew, which is absolutely crazy, because I think this is a five-foot kind of buck, hundred-pound you know, girl uh, fighting off, you know, this guy that's apparently the built like a football player. Yeah, and you could see that he was a big dude. Man. He's a huge guy. Yeah, so she knew what to do, and and ultimately fighting for her life, she she was able to kind of escape that situation. Um, and unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately, um, you know, John wasn't as lucky as her. Uh, he, I think, his luck had probably run out at that point. Okay, so let's talk about this physical encounter. You know, you know that I love mixed martial arts. I watch it. I don't <laughs> participate do. in it. I'm yes, too old for that. But I, you know, I love watching it and stuff. And I was fascinated by this story because what happens is John brings his own knife there, right? right. And, and he's got it, and I, I think he tries to start stabbing her. But I she think he won't does, go with yeah. the program, right? right? And what happens is he loses the knife, and Tara grabs it, right? right. And then she's able to block him with her legs. She's on her back, and it's the worst situation you could be in. Right. But she's fighting for her life. Exactly. And mentally, she had already prepared for this. And what she does is she takes that knife, and the podcast is better than the than the movie in 
putting a chill up your back because when, it talks about Matt Murphy starts in there and he starts talking about the exactly the, the stabs right and it's one two three throughout the body and then the last one is where. Uh, in the eye, right through the eye. <laughs> right I mean, oh my eye. god, that was the one that killed the guy, and man. That's, you know, that's the one that's straight out of the zombie apocalypse, <sighs> too. You know, I, don't, I don't even, you know, I'm a former police officer, I'm a former <laughs> wrestler, and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, how was she able to do that? She's a man. regular teenage girl yeah. being put into that situation. Yeah, and, and you yeah. listen to the interviews of her um, on YouTube and various talk shows. I mean, she speaks with a little lisp. I mean, yeah. she's just a little cute, you know, girl and stuff like that. And you know, it's just a miracle, man. You can never I, you know, count. You can never count anybody out, yeah, right? In, in yeah. that type of situation where they have to fight for their life. Well, the the thing that I'd like to emphasize here is is for victims of domestic violence. You know, and women mostly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they're always told either number one is fight back, or some people say run away right. and stuff. Or or you know, if it's a sexual assault type of a case, don't fight the the uh, suspect. You used to hear that a lot. I think that nowadays we know that women could fight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, high school teams have wrestlers, female wrestlers, there's collegiate wrestlers, Olympic wrestlers. Uh, if you turn on uh, the tube, you'll see that there's fighters, female fighters in the mixed martial artists. Yeah. And they're damn good. Yeah, you know, they're the type of women that I wouldn't want to get into a scrap with, man. <laughs> They'd probably choke me out or knock me out or something like that. Women can fight. Right. And what women need to do is learn how to fight, learn how to defend yourself. Defend yourself, I, get I think, out of that situation. Yeah, Tara, yeah. I hope that uh, you're an inspiration to a lot of people because that was an amazing thing. You know, and, uh, you know, my daughters and any, any woman that I know, I, I think that you need to follow. All that and understand that you could get out of these situations by fighting back. Absolutely. Just because somebody's bigger than you doesn't mean that they're smarter or more athletic or you know equipped to uh, to take you on. And stuff, that kind of goes know? into the family law realm too. If you're if you're in a in a position where you're being abused or harassed, you don't have to sit there and take it. That's right. You don't have to just assume that this is just the way it's going to be. You have to fight back. You have to do what you do need to do to get out of that situation. Absolutely. And we help people like that every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, the, the show kind of ends, you know, with a scene in the hospital. What we learn is uh, Dirty John's sister comes mm-hmm. by and meets uh, Debbie and her daughters. And uh, the sister takes whose side in this? I believe she takes um, their side, right? Yeah. They take their side. Yeah, yeah, because she knew what a bad guy this was. Man. Yeah. I and mean, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? it? It's, it's, it's kind of crazy to see all these people who know the type of person i mean even the the people who were giving speeches at his wedding were telling you yeah. know the bride to watch out for this guy and yeah. and debbie was just willing to kind of you know disregard all of that until she saw for herself what this type of person really was yeah yeah so the divorce proceedings were going forward i, I don't think they were ever divorced i don't think they finished no uh what happens when somebody dies during a divorce well, the case gets dismissed because you know there's no more divorce that needs to be entered you're automatically by virtue of the death and returned to the status of a single person yeah it was so. it was kind of interesting in the i think it was in the in the tv show that debbie goes back to his secret trailer that's out in somewhere in riverside somewhere one of the part of the desert and mm-hmm. so she starts looking around and seeing things for the first time yeah learning about who she really was married to right and it just brings us to full circle about being careful you know with people you know and stuff you meet people online very easily these days it's very easy and convenient to get into a uh uh, relationship where you're enabling somebody or something like that, and yeah. we hope. I, I hope that this whole story really is a lesson for for people that want to be in meaningful, healthy relationships and not get hurt in the process. If you're, yeah, if you're, if you're getting, you know, repeated warnings from your family and friends who are close to you and people that love you and are genuinely concerned about your well being, 
it might be worth yeah. taking some of that advice. It's funny that you say that. I'm mean, in the old days, you know, it's like, well, it's not my place. You right. know, I shouldn't say anything, you know, and it's like that meddling mother-in-law or right. sister or something like that. There may be some truth to that, but a lot of times people are just saying that because they love you and they're seeing things that you're not. Yeah, th- those that will love you the most are the ones that are willing to kind of, you know, let you know what they think, even though that might not be what you want yeah. to hear. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, young man, you did it again. <laughs> you know, you, you scored 10 out of 10, man. You, you're awesome. <laughs> back back on the Netflix kick. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay. So. Well, thank you again for being here. We'll, we'll have to look for the next one to do. And thank you for being on Exhibit A. And thank until you very next much. time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now.